0: Hi. Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hi. We're <laughs> already starting off. <laughs> Pretty <think> creepy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh, Shay. Yeah, We're so Trump creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, we don't really know how to be normal. Poor Joe. <laughs> Joe. Listeners, Joe is our distinguished guest for today's episode.
1: You remember Joe?
0: From the Teasel episode. That's him.
1: We cornered him once again, this time virtually, to talk about another topic that's been brewing in our minds, conflict in the classroom. Conflict between students, between the teacher and students. All
0: sorts of conflict. And we picked Joe because we remember talking to him about some of the conflict he's experienced in different classroom settings.
1: And because his voice is just so soothing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it really is, isn't it? (laughs)
1: Welcome to the Teacher Think Aloud podcast, a podcast for reflective practice for teachers of English around the world. I'm your co host, Anna. And I'm Shay. Let's learn more about Joe.
2: My name is Joe Voitz. I go by he, him. I knew you, Anna, through the um, State Department English mm-hmm. Language Fellow Program. We were in the same cohort in 2019. I was in Israel in Jerusalem, and I met Shay in Tissol, in Pittsburgh, and I'll just throw out there that I I went from teaching in higher ed, uh, teaching English as a foreign language, to the past two years I've been teaching at an American high school on the south side of Chicago and I've experienced more conflict (laughs) Mm -hmm. just in the past half year uh, at this school than I've experienced at any other point in my life. So um, we have a few destinations in my (laughs) um, CV to to visit to talk about conflict.
1: Mm, He's just the perfect candidate for this episode. Perfect. And we also threw him a little icebreaker question.
0: Based on your current state, your current mental state, your current physical state, take a moment, do a little bit of a, a check-in, um, and tell us which food or beverage best aligns with how you're feeling right now.
2: Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I would say, I, I know the answer right away, I am home-brewed kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so let me, let me get into the, okay. the gritty details. Uh, Little foggy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which is uh just I, I've found the state of being a high school teacher in mm. general. It's complicated. <laughs> yes, yes. There's some sourness mm. in there and uh there's there's bits I, I don't want to look at. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to talk about, don't want to acknowledge they're necessary but best left unexplored. Awesome.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I'm so impressed he came up with that answer so quickly. It was great. So great. Yeah. So let's hear a little bit about Joe's relationship to conflict.
2: I actually really love conflict. I think conflict is a really important part of life and aspire to be good at conflict resolution. I think conflict opens up deeper critical thinking Mm. in us. And I think conflict is unavoidable. It's always going to occur. And so it's better to embrace it and explore it and harness the potentials in conflict than I think the worst is shying away from conflict because that I think makes conflict more toxic. It lasts longer and does more damage than just confronting it Mm -hmm. openly when conflict arises because i like to i like to honor students feelings and their perspective and model empathy and and engage and understand where they're coming from and and it just it it, it's hopeful to me um when when we can resolve conflict
1: Mm, i really love that point he makes about critical thinking and empathy. Yeah, two fundamental skills really. Yeah, you have this
0: social emotional learning going on when handling conflict. As educators, we tend to forget that the work we're doing in the classroom has the opportunity to transcend, right? So when we're teaching empathy, when we're teaching conflict resolution, we're developing the interpersonal skills of our students for life outside of the confines of our classrooms. Mm We can't assume that they're getting everything they need from their homes, right? We play a critical role in their ability to react appropriately to their surroundings and engage in a compassionate way with their peers
1: now and later. Yeah, those interpersonal skills, that empathy, they really help in processing conflict productively. Conflict is really an excellent opportunity to cultivate that. So let's hear an example of how Joe's handled conflict in his classroom.
2: As I mentioned before, I did a fellowship in Jerusalem, and I was overjoyed when I found out that I was being placed at a college that integrates Palestinian and Israeli students, which is pretty rare. I was very curious, how would the conflict manifest in my classroom. And I taught a course on methods of teaching English to students from West Jerusalem and East Jerusalem. The students from East Jerusalem are not allowed to call themselves Palestinians, but they are. They shared that with me privately. And they had to cross a checkpoint every day to go study with Israeli students. So the Israeli students I had were often native speakers of English. And Mm -hmm. so they were all learning to be English teachers, but the Palestinian students clued me in that they're at a disadvantage. English is their third language. They're required to study Hebrew as well. And so there was this simmering tension just in the fact that Israelis were much more comfortable in English much more confident, so they spoke more. Palestinian students hung back. Hmm. The conflict came to a head when we were studying a chapter on the politics of language instruction. I could have shied away from it. I very consciously decided to include that chapter, but I didn't want to skip it because I, I wanted to know what would happen. And sure enough, it erupted. One of the Palestinian students likened the occupation of East Jerusalem to the Holocaust. hmm all the air went out of the room. And, you know, I felt intense responsibility then as the teacher to engage, to figure out, to defuse Mm -hmm. (laughs) what started to rapidly unfold. And, you know, within moments the Israeli girls in the class had their fingers in their ears and were shouting that they refused to listen to this student who was scrambling, trying to, she refused to apologize, but she was trying to explain What she meant, and it escalated so quickly. They were demanding that she apologize before they listened. And she was, what she was saying was actually quite Mm. profoundly empathetic. She was saying, I went to Auschwitz she said that it was the first time in her life that she did empathize with jews because she saw how they were dehumanized by nazis made to carry Mm. id cards and go through checkpoints she related which is quite beautiful but it was too late because the other students were blocking out what she was saying they chose not to listen after that point and she screamed and ran out of the room and (laughs) As the teacher, hmm. I decided to hang back and just observe and see how the students handled it. Hmm. In this particular conflict, you know, I, I repeatedly made the choice to listen as much as I could rather than interject you know my view as an american as an outsider i was ready you know to defend or like step in if there were danger but um Mm. but I i waited and another palestinian student wearing a beautiful purple hijab started speaking and she just very quietly said you know it's true i have to cross a checkpoint every day to come to this college and it takes me an hour and a half and one of the other girls asked really and, and started asking questions and listening mm. and they just opened up to each other, they exchanged their experiences, and eventually they started talking about religion and they bonded over laughing at Christians, <laughs> how Christians <laughs> believe in like the Holy Trinity, and they're like, <laughs> But we all know that's ridiculous. There's only one God and so it was <laughs> bizarre. How they got there and were laughing and by that point the student who had run out she came quietly back took her seat mm. and finished the class we never talked about it again openly but I think making room for all perspectives in that moment made a safe mm-hmm. space for them to work through mm. the conflict there I'd like to think that there was a lot of work that we did as a class a lot of groundwork leading up to that conflict resolution. I tried really hard to signal that everyone belonged in the class. And so I met with each student and listened to their stories throughout the course of that term and drew on what they shared with me in our lessons and just showed that I was as impartial as I could be. And I'd, I'd like to think that, that like that bond that we built is what carried us. Wow, through.
0: he handled that just beautifully. Beautiful. You know, given the circumstances, it could have
1: gone a lot worse. Yeah, I love that he let the students take the reins there. He mm. he let that conflict play out. That's a great tip. Awesome tip. And also,
0: he mentioned he had been building this culture of trust and belonging in the class. That's another key takeaway for me. Oh, for sure. But also, this example sort of begs the question for me of how conflict looks different in different cultures. Like, not all people around the world are comfortable or used to engaging in conflict. We're so attuned to it here in the US, but Mm -hmm. conflict may not be so acceptable in other cultures. There is really a stark contrast in how people who come from individualist cultures, like the US, and those who come from collectivist societies, like Japan, for Mm -hmm. example, approach conflict and really whether they even do Mm -hmm. at all. Collectivist cultures are primarily concerned with maintaining harmony between people. So there is a tendency to keep one's dissenting opinion to oneself in an effort to save face and preserve Mm -hmm. that harmony. So in isolation, these tendencies are a bit easier to wrap our heads around and ultimately create an approach that is appropriate culturally and contextually, but Often in an ESOL context, we're seeing multiple approaches to conflict in these intercultural Mm -hmm. exchanges. So I think we first need to build students' awareness around how conflict presents differently in different cultures, thus in intercultural exchanges.
1: Yeah, with these, you know, with these different groups all in the same classroom, it really is about cultivating awareness about different approaches Mm -hmm. to conflict. But it also mm-hmm. has to do with giving students the tools to engage in conflict. Teaching and practicing mm-hmm. the language for disagreement in particular can be helpful to work through conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any experience
0: with that, with with teaching language for conflict, Anna?
1: Well, yes. Yeah. So the example I remember most clearly in my mind is I was teaching a class where all the students were of various Chinese origins And we were having a debate about, uh, I think it was whether exams are a good way to measure learning or whether knowledge or creativity are more important in education. And they brought up the National Chinese University Entrance Exam called the Gaokao. And i i didn't know anything about th- that at the time so i was not a great arbiter in this but there were several students mm. from beijing a couple students from smaller towns out in different provinces and then i think there was one student from hong kong actually and they were mm. they got into a fight <laughs> about how the how the Thanks. scores on the gaokao were different Different requirements from different people from different places. So I guess there is some attempt at equity for entrance into universities. So people from Mm -hmm. smaller cities, I think there is some additional support for them to get in. And I remember the Beijing students were complaining about how it was so much easier for these other people to get in, and that was really Mm -hmm. offensive to some of the other students there. Mm -hmm, And then the Hong Kong student was like, "Well, everybody, Beijing isn't even on the level of Hong Kong." Like. All this stuff was very offensive, and I didn't know enough about this exam at the time to mediate, but one thing we had been working on was the language used to soften your comments, to basically foster understanding and a productive debate, and so the only thing I had that I could really use was bringing them back to that language, and so the way I resolved that was to say, hey, the way that you're saying this could come off as disrespectful, let's readjust this conversation. And then, you know, I also tried to redirect them to other examples that were more pertinent to the debate question. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. Focusing on the language students are Mm -hmm. using is definitely a good strategy, too. So, so far, we've focused only on conflict between students, but... We know sometimes Mm -hmm. we, the teachers, end up in conflict with our
1: students. Boy, isn't (laughs) that the truth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So let's hear what Joe has to say about conflict between teachers and their students.
2: I teach sophomores world literature and all my students are black and i'm white and mm. every single moment has felt like conflict and i've tried to make sense of why that is and try not tried not to leap to any conclusions but i mean the students explicitly have said that i'm a racist <laughs> Basically, the conflict is I want them not to have headphones in while we study. And their response is that I I police them, um, that that I'm a racist and I'm policing them. And to hold steady (laughs) and keep going under those circumstances, it's going to take me a long time to fully process what that's meant for me and for them and Just developmentally, they're 15, 16, Mm. and they're working out their identity by challenging authority, which I have to be. And I have to take that. I have to engage in that conflict. And I like conflict because mostly for me, I can resolve conflict pretty simply just because I'm Mm. naturally pretty gentle and I try to be empathetic. And so like it works, (laughs) but with them, I'm soft, you know, I, I'm someone to run over. And what? Okay, so I, I read a lot about conflict. I, I bought this book called High Conflict mm. by Amanda Ripley that I have been just greedily devouring all year. Um, and I started picking up these insights like, ooh, this looks great, like the golden ratio. Uh, relationship psychologists say that to sustain healthy conflict, there needs to be a ratio of five to one positive interactions to negative interactions. Like an 80-20% split is sustainable and ideal. And I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to just like try to up our positive (laughs) interactions so that we can sustain the inevitable negative moment when I asked them to take their headphones out but it didn't work, (laughs) it didn't work. It did not work, that was not it, that was not Mm. it. I got so excited, but that was not it. What was it in this case with my students currently? And I hate to say say this, I had to yell at them constantly. Mm. I had to meet them with what they were giving me. And once I got over myself and started doing that and just laying into them, our class became structured. And incredibly productive and I did little things like I tried to head off the conflict or relocate the conflict because often it was a performance between me and one student in front of the other 25 as an audience mm. so I started collecting cell phones at the door in a box and it took three weeks and they yowled. they hated it they We had the fight there in the hallway at the door. Um, But after those three weeks, they submitted. Mm. They start the- the (laughs)
0: You broke them. The (laughs) loudest students. I did,
2: I did. Well, they they would walk up and hand over the phone with no comment Mm. and I would have all the phones and then then we'd have class, you know? And their whole demeanor changed. Um, So I think (laughs) some conflicts require some force. I hate to say that. That's that goes against like everything I've believed up until this year. But there are moments where I think conflict there can be healthy back and forth.
0: Sounds so stressful. I'm stressed out having this conversation. This is why I don't work with adolescents. I love like that us. Joe
1: in this example is just so vulnerable. Like mm. he bought a book, learned what to do, and then that just completely failed. <laughs> yes, epic fail. But I mean, he found the solution that worked for him. And it was just the opposite, right? Hold steady. Hold steady. I love his quote, I had to meet them with what they were giving me. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, in that context, the students just needed some authority, someone to respect, to put them back in line. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a lesson there to consider the context of the conflict. Yes. What relationship do you
0: have with the students What's their age, their identity, the teacher's identity, their culture, their culture and cultural norms around classroom structure, hierarchical expectations. I remember when I worked with a group of international business management majors from Germany Mm. and, you know, teaching at the college level as a fairly young person (laughs) puts you in a weird position, right? Because being pretty close in age to the students that you're working with, creates a bit of a a strange, awkward dynamic sometimes. So this group of students in particular hadn't experienced the U.S. education system before, and there does tend to be a more relaxed dynamic in university classrooms here. Like, Some instructors even allow their students to call them by their
1: first names. Which is unheard of in Germany.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right, right. So my informality from the very beginning might have worked against me, established a bit too much comfort. Once Mm. there was an assignment that required attention to detail, well, really just an attentive reading of the instructions would have sufficed. But... There were a few individuals who did something just completely different than what I was asking for. And instead of taking ownership and admitting that they, in fact, had not read the instructions thoroughly, (laughs) which I learned later on, they instead blamed me and said, well, this is your fault, really. You could have easily made the instructions clearer. Mm. Yeah. I remember my face turning beet red, my blood boiling at that moment, but I recognized that culturally German students tend to feel really uncomfortable with uncertainty and don't feel comfortable when things are left to interpretation. Mm -hmm. So I responded in a calm manner, but I shifted my demeanor a bit so they knew that exchanges like that weren't going to fly in my Mm -hmm. classroom. And I met with that student privately after the situation and talked about the need for respect to be present, you know, even when there are cross-communication wires. And fortunately, from
1: there, I didn't have any other issues. (laughs) Yeah, I remember you sharing this with me and like Mm -hmm. you were you were checking like, oh, my God, did I write the instructions correctly? No. Mm -hmm. okay, that was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And but I really like how you called that student in you know, you didn't mm-hmm. do it in front of the class, but you had a separate mm-hmm. conversation. That was a really nice way of resolving conflict was that mm-hmm. private conversation. Mm-hmm. But actually, I, I remember, you know, this might have actually been the conversation that sparked our interest in doing an episode on conflict. Remember? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah I think it was. Yeah. And thing. I
1: appreciate that you kept your cool there. I think a lot of people would have struggled with that. Actually, one of our listeners, Amir, in Iran, shared a similar experience where a student was disrespecting him in class, and he kept his cool and waited until the end of class to address the student privately.
0: Mm, so smart. Similarly, I actually sort of relocated the conflict which yeah. is another strategy that Joe mentioned.
1: Yeah, I've definitely done that with the elementary school kids I work with right now. Just mm. <laughs> I see a conflict coming, let's do a little dance and shift mm-hmm. our attention to something else.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But with all these great tips, there's really only one key takeaway here.
2: Reflect. That's that's my mm, top like that advice. <laughs> <laughs> because every conflict is different and has deep roots. One thing I did find incredibly useful from the book High Conflict is that we all so easily get sucked into conflict. So there's hope if we can slow down and reflect on what's really going on to not be reactive, but Mm -hmm. to not be afraid and react out of fear, but let the conflict play out and examine it and take time to reflect on the response. Of course, that's not always possible, but just to delay, delay a response as much as possible Mm -hmm. to get it right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 is a really positive and productive way to... And this is where really the perspective taking and empathy of conflict comes in, you know? To practice empathy, to understand another's perspective, you really need to listen closely to the different cues going on. But once you can understand where that person, that student is coming from, you can really get a feel for how to resolve this conflict or at least to move the conversation forward.
1: Yeah. Sometimes that's all you can do. So true. And we're all about reflecting, aren't we? Oh, yes. (laughs) So (laughs) listeners,
0: we hope you enjoyed hearing from Joe and from us on this topic. And
1: now it's over to you. How do you deal with conflict when it inevitably arises in the classroom? Tell us about how you've resolved conflict or not resolved it in your classroom. Mm -hmm. You can
0: join the conversation on our various social media accounts. Email us via our contact forum at teacherthinkaloud.com or comment via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We welcome your reflections, questions, and ideas.
1: For more resources related to today's topic, take a look at our website and our podcast anchor page, anchor.fm slash teacherthinkaloud. And to help us continue exploring these topics, consider donating at teacherthinkaloud.com slash support dash us. Or
0: consider sharing this episode with a colleague and help expand our reach.
1: Thanks so much for joining us on the Teacher Think Aloud podcast. And until next time, happy teaching and happy reflecting.